Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Marriage with Soul Nicole. So you're now at episode 2 of the Be Healed series and in the previous episode we were just talking about this idea of do we want healing, right? Do we want healing? In this second episode, I'm going to look at three aspects of Jesus, right? The figure of Jesus. Number one, of him being a good teacher. Number two, of him being a compassionate healer. And number three, of him being the beloved son. So we're going to look at these three aspects in turn and see how it forms our ideas of healing and how this relates to each and every one of us in terms of our daily experiences with it as well. So I find very interesting that I think sometimes people usually recall, you know, Jesus in the Bible, he's someone who teaches, someone who instructs, right? So he says lots of, you know, he goes to the mount, he gives his sermon, he goes around, he talks in parables, right? But interestingly, what makes him different from every other spiritual teacher is that he actually walked the talk. He actually did what he said. He practiced what he preached. And he cared about people's deepest needs. He didn't just say, these are the commandments, just follow them, and then, you know, things will be grand and jolly. He actually ministered to people and cared about their deepest needs. He sought out people who needed healing. If you've watched The Chosen before, I'm sure you've seen you know, uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he went to see Matthew, who was, you know, uh, obviously working for the Romans. He sought out Mary Magdalene. He just sought out everybody who society thought was like, wow, these people are like outcasts. Because he knew and he glimpsed their humanity and he knew what they needed at that point in time. He looked at them as people, right? He didn't just say like, love one another as I have loved you and he just left it there. He actually did what he said going to do right and that makes me think about this idea of like poverty so this is a little bit of a, of a tangential thought what is the greatest poverty of our time is it material poverty is it you know what what sort of poverty is actually spiritual poverty right the fact that we can pay lip service and say that we should be doing a b c d e but we're not fully living out a b c d e i'm not saying that it's like really easy to do is actually a deep struggle because we are dealing with our own human weakness, by the way, right? That thing is definitely holding us back. But it doesn't mean that we can't try. It doesn't mean that we can't do small things with great love and do small steps every day, hoping and praying for God's grace, right? That God is going to help us along the way to healing. So I found something very interesting also that Bob shared in the book is that I think the Lord kind of spoke to him, I think, in some sort of retreat, which is saying that he could, he has either hot or cold for Jesus and nowhere in between. Wow. I mean, I'm not talking about Katy Perry or anything, but I think most of the time we're kind of like lukewarm. We can describe the faith as our faith is saying lukewarm. But he says that to truly be a disciple, we cannot remain neutral. We are not just causal students, right? We are not just students that sit at the back and then come from time to time and show up during term time. We've got to be full-time students, right? We've got to do the homework. Even though the homework and the problem set is difficult, we still got to show up, right? We still got to show up and we got to do the work. And this makes me think about another story, I think, that Bob actually talks about in Luke's Gospel of the Rich Official who says that he has followed all of the precepts that, you know, Jesus has laid out. So he's been to all of the talks. He knows, you know, everything, you know, from A to Z. He knows everything and he says he's practicing everything. 
But the Lord poses him like a very, very simple question. Can you leave everything behind and follow me? Can you practice this non-attachment? Can you leave behind the things of this world and know that you have to wholly depend on me? And then this guy is like, no man, I can't. Because just like all of us, we fall back on self-reliance. We think that, yeah, you know, I can rely on myself to get to point A or to point B. But that's not the case. Pope Francis says that we are afraid of salvation. We need it, but we are afraid, very ironic. We have to give everything. He is in charge and we are afraid of this. We want control of ourselves. When I read that, I was like, Pope Francis, you speak in troops because exactly, we want control. We don't want to give up everything. And it sounds radical. It is true. It is radical to give up everything. We look around at the world and we know what the world values, we know what the world prioritizes, but that's not what the call of Christian living is. The call of Christian living is to just give it up. Give it up and rely fully and completely on God. And it is scary. It's okay to be scared. That's why we have brothers and sisters in Christ to kind of journey with us, right? To help us, you know, get there, get to heaven. It's okay. It's going to be like a fraught journey. It's not going to be super easy. Nobody said that the road is paved or whatever. It's probably going to be rocky. And that leads me to the second aspect of who Jesus is as a compassionate healer. Remember I was talking in the first episode about how he healed the man near the pool at Bethsaida? He also healed some blind men, right, uh, throughout the Bible. And what I found interesting about Bob's observation is that he said that not only were the literal eyes of the blind men opened, it means they could now see, they also met the gaze of the healer who sees them. Wow, that's really beautiful. Not only do you think that, oh, I've regained my physical faculties and I can see, but the Lord sees them for who they are. He sees them with such love, you know, he, he just loves them so much. It's this loving gaze. Not only is it loving, it is penetrating. It's not just like a gaze. It's like penetrating gaze. Because what he's doing is not only healing, you know, that there's their sight. He's restoring areas of their souls. And he is doing the same for us. He's restoring areas of our souls blinded by pride, fear, and unbelief. And this made me reflect also about how compassionate he is as a healer. And it also made me reflect about how sometimes I struggle with the process of healing. Because in the healing, it's not necessarily very like, like you know, comfortable or pleasurable. We're just thinking, ah, yeah, Lord, this pruning very difficult, Lord. Why the healing feels more painful than the pain itself? Huh? And Bob says this thing and reminds me in the book. And he says that those whom I love, I reprove and chastise. And I was like, Lord, every day I feel like I cannot reprove and cannot chastise. But that is the truth of the matter. He loves us so much. He's trying to correct us. He doesn't want us to go down this, this, this high road. He wants us to stay near him and to be in communion with him. Wow. That kind of shifted my thinking. Because sometimes we just look at our present suffering and think like, Lord, I think you, you forgot about me. Lord, you're just leaving me out here, like Isaiah says it all the time, like, hello, like, you know, I'm in the desert, I'm, like, suffering, like, are you, are you with me? And the Lord is like, I'm with you. I reprove you, I just you because I love you, it's tough love. 
because he loves them, he doesn't want us to walk into the freaking valley, right? You can see us walking to the valley. It's like, no, you got to get out of the valley and I've got to come and deliver you from that valley. And that leads me into his third aspect of his identity as beloved son. So Pope John Paul II, in, when he was doing World Youth Day in 2002, says that we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our capacity to become the image of the Son. Amazing. Beautiful. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. Too often that's what we think. It's just like, oh my goodness, like I can think of all the things I did wrong today. I can think of all the failures that I had in the past few years, like all the no-nos that I did. But that's not what, how he sees us. Instead, we are the sum of his love for us. And that doesn't change. Even though we might feel unworthy, it doesn't change. And the interesting parallel that Bob actually kind of highlights is that the way God delights in Jesus is because he is who he is and not in his performance, not in how many miracles he has performed, you know, how much ministry he has done. It's just from the fact that he is who he is, right? So like, you know, when we talk about the transfiguration, right, everything, and, you know, even when when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, you know, when the, when the Lord was speaking, he says that this is my beloved son on whom my favor rests. He didn't say, this is my beloved son who did ABC. He just said, this is my beloved son. He just recognizes him as his beloved son, and that's all that matters, right? But unfortunately, no matter how many times, right, sometimes we read these passages, and we even know we have those like go-to Bible verses that say like, oh, assurance, you know, blessed assurance. We find it difficult to let it sink in. And I was wondering why, when he's trying to reassure you so many times, it's like you're in a relationship, and your partner's just telling you, I love you, I love you, I love you so much. And then you're just like, uh, are you really are you really for real? Like, you know, am I being cynical here? Am I having trust issues? And it's because we are not letting ourselves be loved. We're not letting ourselves be loved. We're not letting ourselves be loved by him. So one of my favorite spiritual writers also, which Bob actually talks about, is Henry Nguyen. And I really love his book, Return of the Prodigal Son. He talks about the two figures, the elder son and the younger son. Right, and both of them are far away from the father for two different reasons, even though they're quite intrinsically linked. The elder brother thinks that he's very attached to performance. He's saying, like, you know, like that I did so much stuff, so like, you know, you totally kinda like owe me this, right? And then the younger son is like, I'm addicted to all this other stuff, right? Vice activities and things like that. So they are attached to different things. And that leads me to this concept of vain. So what are they all hankering after? It's a futile attempt to find life in and through ourselves, while God's glory is actually the antithesis, right? So San Irenaeus says that the glory of God is man fully alive, right? And I realize that a lot of us prefer vain glory because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. It's something that we're used to. We'd rather do that. Instead, what I think the Lord is inviting us to do is that when we see the cross, we shouldn't be running away from it, but we should be embracing it. Is that easy? Definitely not. But is he with us? He definitely is. So as I go deeper, I think, into the subsequent episodes, I just want you to think about your own 
personal crosses, your own personal concept of the of the Lord, right? As a good teacher, as a compassionate healer, and as a beloved son. What are these areas that you're struggling with in terms of your idea, your concept of him? And how can you invite him into these areas of brokenness and into these areas that you think need healing? Let him reveal these areas to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the cross. Invite him. Ask him for the fortitude to bear our crosses. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next episode. God bless.